Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Proho Podcast. This week you are getting just me, Kenda. Yes, I'm blessing you with a solo episode and just taking a moment to check in and share some updates about my sex toy company. If you didn't know, I'm starting a sex toy company and more to follow in this episode. It's been a pretty wild last year and a half, almost two years, and I actually decided that I was going to start a sex toy company while I was living in Dakar, Senegal during the pandemic. I was there for seven months. I am half Senegalese. If you didn't know, my dad is from Senegal and the majority of my paternal family lives in Chess, Senegal, which is about an hour, an hour and a half outside of Dakar. So that in itself is pretty interesting, given the fact that Senegal is a more traditional, conservative Muslim country. How did I come to the realization there that I wanted to create a product that would help close the orgasm gap in this country where most folks don't even talk about orgasms and more so a country where, if I'm being completely honest, feels like female pleasure isn't even a variable in sexual experiences. It's not a part of the conversation. It's put on the back burner. There's a lot of tradition and gender norms that exist in in Senegal. I remember even some of my Senegalese friends took a weekly pole dancing class, but it was so discreet that you had to message the teacher on WhatsApp for confirmation and the location was secret out of fear of being discovered and shut down, literally. So yes, were people participating in sex and sex forward activities? Absolutely. But were they doing it all in private? Absolutely. So while I was spending every single day riding by the ocean, paddleboarding, eating the best chebujen, which is the national dish of Senegal comprised of fish and rice, I contemplated what was the next step for Proho. It was the middle of the pandemic, so in-person events were definitely out of the question. And I thought I wanted to write a book, but about what? (laughs) So I started thinking back to every Proho event that I had hosted over the last few years, the conversations, the storytelling, and the connections that were made. What really stood out was the orgasm gap and the staggering statistics that only 20 to 30% of women actually orgasm from intercourse alone. Clitoral stimulation is so imperative. Like if you have a vagina, you understand what I'm saying. There are so many nerve endings and some research even suggests that the G spot doesn't exist, but it's rather the internal extension of the clitoris. And the clitoris isn't just the visible small head that you see superficially, but it extends much deeper within the vaginal wall. Fascinating, right? So there is so much that is undiscovered, under-researched, and underfunded when it comes to female pleasure, specifically on the clitoris. I attended Harvard Business School a couple months ago for their Black Tech Summit and was able to connect with a brilliant Black woman OBGYN who validated all of my work, all of my opinions, by sharing that in medical school, there was absolutely zero focus on the clitoris, but so much time, energy, and money was dedicated to understanding male arousal, male sex, and male anatomy. Surprise, surprise. But why do they do women like this? So even though I spoke with this doctor much later in my founder journey, it was very much a validating moment that there is actually a need for what I'm building. So rewind back to my last few days in Senegal. I decided that the natural progression of my proho journey was to create a product, a legacy, something that would revolutionize the way people interact with sex toys and actually give women the tools to have bigger, 
better, stronger orgasms. Sex education just didn't really do us justice. And to be frank, most sex toys don't either. We also have yet to see sexual wellness fully cross over into the lifestyle category. But this year alone, I've seen sex toy companies enter Target and Sephora. So a revolution is definitely happening before our eyes. So let me share with you more about the journey once I left Senegal and touched back down in New York. It goes a little something like this. Before the pandemic, I was working for a startup founded by the former president of Glossier. Unfortunately, like many other companies, the overall vision had to pivot once COVID infiltrated our lives, our world, resulting in the majority of the company being laid off. The silver lining here was that my boss, the founder, knew how passionate I was about ProHo. You know, I had been building it on the side while I was working full time for him. I was still hosting community events and he really saw the passion. And honestly, I was kind of glowing up a lot on the side while I was working full time with him. That was the first time that I had worked with Gwyneth Paltrow. When everyone started working remote, I was doing a lot of interviews with Afropunk. I had just worked on an HBO product project with Michaela Coles. I was like, yes, bitch. Okay. My side project is kind of becoming my main project. So, you know, when he had to let all of us go, in, our, in my exit interview, he told me that whenever I was ready to start my own company, to let him know. So trust, you know, as soon as I landed back in New York City, he was one of the first people that I contacted to share my sex toy idea. We met in a coffee shop in Union Square shortly after and scribbled out some not so great designs. But if I knew then how much my vision, the design, the functionality of that pencil scribble would change, I wouldn't believe it. Looking back, I was so naive to think, hey, yeah, I'm just going to draw something up, create, you know, a sex toy product that the world has never seen and people are going to love it because I'm a black woman founder and pro-ho and there aren't many of us in this space. No, 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 <laughs> no. I had no idea how difficult it was going to be to raise money, to create a hardware product from scratch, to create a hardware product from scratch, to pitch in front of investors and to sell myself. I just honestly, wow, wow. There was just so much that I was blind to, oblivious to, naive about, just dumb about. But I think honestly, that's why I've made it this far because you have to be a little bit insane to think, to dream up something and to see it through to fruition, to not let anything get in your way, to continue with full speed and force ahead, even when you have lots of obstacles in your way. So maybe being oblivious, maybe being a little bit, um, you know, just dumb, honestly, about the entire process was a weapon and an asset that I could use as I went along. I had no expectations. So everything that came my way, I was just like, hey, okay, another day, another obstacle, another hurdle, got to get through it. But I think honestly, not knowing so much set me up in a, in a very positive way. 
But from that initial meeting, my old boss did make some crucial introductions that eventually helped to build out my team. And I'm proud to say that all of them are still working for me today, plus some, okay, plus some. So my first call was to an old colleague who is a packaging engineer who uh, could help me formulate a potential lubricant. I thought that a lube would, would be very complimentary to the sex toy. She then introduced me to my creative director who brought on our app developer, manufacturer, my advisor, and product designer. So this one person, that one initial phone call really set up the entire freaking team. They had all worked together before. Like how unique and special is that? And they're way smarter and better at their jobs than I am. And I think that that was a beautiful revelation that I made as well, that as a CEO, the power of outsourcing, I can't do every skill. I'm not a product designer. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a manufacturer. So the fact that I had these top level people working for me from day one who've worked with Apple, who've worked with Quip, who've worked with Beats, you know, who've worked with Beyonce. And imminent, like, it just was insane that I'm like, wow, I have this A-list group of people and I literally don't know what the fuck that I'm doing. But the universe just aligned in my ultimate favor. And I knew, okay, this is the direction I'm supposed to be moving in. So who knew that my previous job would yield this entire team? Thinking about sourcing and hiring folks on my own feels so overwhelming. And even now, thinking in the future, the near future, when I have to hire more C-suite level employees and really just plucking them out of nowhere, or you, you have to really rely on recommendations. But, you know, I'm tremendously grateful for how seamlessly this first team came together. And they're so invested. They want to see it win. They, you know, we all want to cash out. We all want to see our equity work in our favor. So I think that's really special about having early stage employees is that everyone is really committed to creating and building something that's going to be successful because we're all invested in it. So fast forward a few months later, when I met the creative director, Susie is her name, for the first time in Dumbo House, the vibes were immaculate, okay? We had similar sex humor, we're very bold and forward women of color. And that was so important for me to build out a team that was reflective of the communities that were involved with ProHo. This sex toy is simply an extension of all of the work and the people and the connections from ProHo, of those community events that started my entire journey in sexual wellness. It was with Susie that I realized the massive opportunity I had to create a toy that was tech-enabled, that served a greater purpose than just squeezing out an orgasm or two or three, but one that could be beneficial to the overall solution to the orgasm gap, right? Like going back to those conversations with ProHo, thinking about all the women who had never had an orgasm or who couldn't orgasm through heteropenetrative sex. I was like, oh, how can I solve this problem? I can't really speak as openly as I would like about the product and what I'm working on because it is still very much in development. And quite frankly, you know, people be stealing ideas. But I can say that looking to big tech like Alphabet, Microsoft, Apple, you can start to uncover the prominent trends. And honestly, you can see that a lot of money, shit tons of money is actually going towards tech enabled health and wellness. So when I see Apple doing the same shit that I'm doing, I'm like, okay, but you on the right path, you've struck gold. 
once I finally had the entire concept solidified, and I'm telling you, this took a long time. This took months of going back and forth on the idea, on the concept, on competitors, what's already out there, what's patented, what's copyrighted, where can we overstep? Is this too health enabled or what about the FDA, et cetera? All of these questions. But finally, when I got down to it and I could say, this is my idea, I decided that, you know, it was time to go out and raise some money. Again, I can say this as <laughs> as a first-time founder, I really did not know what was in store. I made sure to have some Zoom meetings with other Black women founders who had previously raised venture capital just to gauge what I had in store. But even that couldn't prepare me for the wild whirlwind that was ahead. Add into the mix that I'm creating a sex toy. And sometimes I forget that the rest of the world isn't as sexually free as me. So of course, a lot of investors immediately declined just as they would with other sectors like gambling or alcohol or cannabis. So I'm thinking to myself, how do I even connect with investors? How do I score a meeting? Do they respond to cold emails? I don't have a rich family and friends to help me get to a prototype. A lot of VCs, you know, claim that they're early stage, but how was it that I was always too early for early stage? It takes money to make money. And let me tell you that I don't have enough money to woo investors into giving me more. So it's like this, you know, chicken and egg scenario. You need money to get more money from the investors. But how do I get that initial investment? Well, it's from friends and family. So I will say that I did have some initial luck with investors. They were intrigued by my concept, but there was some obvious hesitation. Number one, I'm a black woman. I am a single founder without a technical background and I don't have a tech co-founder. How did I know that my idea would work? Do I have any proof of concept? Do I have any sales already? Like, have you made money? Here I was thinking that my Hulu segment and my work with Gwyneth Paltrow would be sufficient enough to, you know, kind of nudge the investors in the right direction. And perhaps in an alternative universe, it would have been. If you're not aware, less than 1% of Black founders raise venture capital. So I don't think it's wrong of me to think that my accomplishments and organic growth over the last few years would have sufficed had I been a white man. But, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm clearly not that. And I wouldn't trade my, you know, <laughs> divine, beautiful, Black, beautiful goddessness for anything, anytime, any day, any lifetime even. So, you know, so many white founders don't even have community. Like I've been building ProHo for years before any forethought that I was going to create a product. And a lot of them haven't even spent time with their customers, but they are afforded the luxury of having people with money bet on them. And this is something we need to more critically examine within black and brown communities. But that's a conversation for a different day. This is where the story gets very interesting. Cue drum roll. After months of pitching, selling my little heart out, trying to convince these white people to invest in my business, I had a probably very, very rare opportunity happen to me. A friend has sent over my deck to the manager of a celebrity, and she was interested in working with my company in some capacity, either as the face of the company or as co-owner. 
And I really, I just couldn't believe it. It was probably the most surprising boost of confidence and ultimately validation that my concept, my design, my idea, my brand ethos, energetically, I knew that I was building something that everyone would soon want to be a part of. Now I can't name the celebrity, but I do remember in the very beginning of my process, when I wanted to start this company, when I was really dreaming it up, I wrote a list of celebrities who were sex positive, outspoken, and represented Black women and Black femmes with ease. And guess what? She was at the top of that list. So come through manifestation, okay? I really manifested that shit. How did I get this meeting? I was literally on Zoom calls with her manager, with her peoples, with my peoples. It just felt too good to be true. But unfortunately, that deal didn't go through for various reasons. And I had to charge it to the game. It was just part of the process. And perhaps it wasn't the right celebrity, or maybe it will make more sense once I'm a little bit further along. But Although I was bummed, ultimately, because we all know what star power can do for a company. But like I mentioned before, it was just the biggest blessing in disguise. Everything inside of me was screaming that I was on the right path. And it was only a matter of time before I got that golden ticket. The, the one yes that I needed before all the other yeses would start flowing in. And, you know, my advisor said, hey, this for you, you don't even have a product You know, the fact that a celebrity is down with your shit and the fact that they fuck with your brand ethos, your design, that they say energetically it's the perfect fit at this stage of your development is is like the most the most positive reinforcement that you could have. And you just got to ride that wave. So that's exactly what I did. This pivotal moment made me reevaluate my strategy It was evident that I wasn't going to get funding without some sort of MVP or prototype in my case, especially given that I'm making a hardware product, which is notoriously expensive to make and takes rounds and rounds of iterations to make the perfect product for market. One of my good friends, Armania, shout out to you, love you, boo, had to shake me and get me out of my own way and out of my own head. Her pep talk was the missing link of confidence that I needed to go out and officially raise of friends and family round. So back in February, so back in February, after basically harassing my community via email, setting up in-person meetings, I was able to raise a significant amount in order to get my prototype off the ground. Woo, woo, woo. Now, it wasn't as much as I would have liked, but that combined with some of the funds that I had from freelance work, some of my gigs, some of my savings, I was finally able to kick the prototype project off of the ground. You heard that right, people. We're making a prototype. Woo! Now we are in business, baby. My team is executing in their respective areas of expertise. I've hired some additional folks to come on and see the project through. And we are about to begin our beta round of testing on a group of women from all over the U.S. I can't believe that women are actually going to get my product in the mail, open it, unbox that shit, okay? Like all the influencers on Instagram. Oh my gosh, it's going to be real. My baby is going to be in the hands of strangers, (laughs) Now, the intention is for our beta testing to give us the momentum and proof of concept that we need to circle back to investors and raise our seed round, ultimately setting us up to go to market. 
to have a product out there so that you can see my shit in Target, in Sephora, like I mentioned before, online, all the places. It took me a few twists and turns to get here, and it may have been a bit unconventional based on what other founders have done, but honestly, that is what makes it more special. Each day I wake up and I'm not always sure what I should be doing, (laughs) who I should be speaking with. You kind of have to make it up as you go with the right guidance, like I have from my advisor, Greg, who's on his like 40th startup at this point. Also, just touching base with other founders is really comforting. Going to investor lunches and going to networking events has really expanded my tech and founder network, which I'm eternally grateful for. The curiosity that I always speak about in my ProHo work, the curiosity to explore your sexual expression is the same curiosity that has been nudging me forward for the last two years. I don't know if my product is going to be successful. That's just the reality of a startup. It's risky. I don't know if investors will finally bite after this beta testing. But one thing about me, okay, I'm going to try with every fiber in my body because it feels orgasmic to create to build, to fail, to create again, to build again, to fail again, and maybe to succeed. It's a bit of an adrenaline rush and I've come too far to quit. So thank you all for rocking with me. Those of you who have been my day ones, I'm so, so excited that we're still continuing on this journey together. And thank you for staying in the loop and being interested. More updates soon. And I look forward to next week. Peace, y'all.